So we've been doing this theme, raising the bar, and raising the bar in different areas, and raising the bar in our commitment to Christ, His purpose, and our commitment to the Church in the Rock North family. And so our memory, and we've been having memory verses, our memory verse for the week is Matthew 22, verse 27, or excuse me, 37, I wrote it wrong. 37, it says this, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And great commandment. And it says, verse 39, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a good one. It's solid. It stands the test of time, and that's exactly what God and His kingdom are all about. Let's read it one more time. That you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay, and that's divided up into different parts. If you don't know the study on, on all your soul, all your mind, uh, that's mind, will, emotions. Okay, it goes into that. With every part of your being is what he's saying. With every part of your being, you shall love the Lord your God. And it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It's just as important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you love God, and that is truly how you live, and that is your lifestyle, then you will love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Okay? So we've been doing the series Raising the Bar, and it's been great. And I was kind of praying and thinking about this. And uh, and the Lord's been bringing me to this certain area that's a kind of a simple thought, but yet it's profound, and it's something that I've been working on. And it's raising the bar on intentionality. And it's raising the bar on intentional living. Now, I email, what's funny is I emailed Pastor Sam about this probably a few months ago and gave, and I said, hey, I, I think that this would be a cool idea for a series, and it's called Intentional Living. And we kind of emailed back and forth about it and things like that. And I said, here's some ideas. And because the Lord was kind of kind of, you know, speaking to me about intentional living and intentional lifestyles. And so I was emailing him and then John Maxwell came out with this book a few months later called Intentional Living. So since then, I've emailed John and said, I'm going to need some royalties off of that because this was my idea and you're stealing my stuff. Uh, yeah, right. John has loads of information. He does not need my help on anything in life. He's got it all figured out. But it's funny that he, and I haven't had a chance, he says it's his most personal book yet. I haven't had a chance to read it. It just came out. It just hit the shelves. It's called Intentional Living. I'm sure it's amazing. I don't even know if I'm in line with that. I'm not worried about it because this is what the Lord's been speaking to me. And so anyway, a uh, little fun fact there. But uh, raising the bar on intentional living. And here's what the word intention means. I looked it up in the dictionary just because sometimes I like to. And the word intention means this. It means purpose. It means attitude. It means meaning. Or it means significance. Okay, the word intention means purpose. It can mean attitude. It can mean meaning. Or it can mean significance. Let's pray before we get started, before we dive in the Word. Lord... We love you tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, I know that you've been speaking to me and, and convicting uh, me on intentional living and the decisions that we're making every day, day in and day out, deciding to make this intentional lifestyle to live for you and to look like you. So, Father, I just pray that this would just, it would just hit home with us. It would hit home with us very hard and and that, Lord, that we would become intentional about our relationship with you and become intentional about raising the bar 
in our lives in all of these areas, Lord, that these great communicators have been speaking on. Father, we love you and we thank you for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So intention, purpose, attitude, meaning, or significance is what that word means. And here's the thing that I've learned, I've learned about life is that there is no way for you to arrive at a certain place in your life if you're not intentional about getting there. That's impossible. That may have just blew your mind, but that's impossible. There's no way if I set out to go to California and my desire is to go surfing or snowboarding in California, there is no way it is impossible for me to get there if I get on Highway 69 going north. It would be impossible for me to do It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if, if, if I pray, I get in my driveway and I pray for traveling mercies. It doesn't matter if I pack my sunscreen, if I pack my surfboards or my snowboards, my bathing suit and my surfboard wax. It does not matter what I do. If I get on 69, 69 north, going north, I am never going to get west, go out west to California. It's impossible. It's the same way with my life. I know that I cannot arrive at the place that I want to arrive at. And then I cannot arrive at the place where God wants me to arrive at unless I set out intentions to get there. Unless I am intentional about the life that I live and the daily decisions that I make, will I arrive at God's best for my life. It's impossible. It doesn't matter how good God's grace is, because it's great. It's overwhelming. It doesn't matter how supernatural our God is. It does not, it doesn't matter about Christianity. It doesn't matter if you pray hard enough, if you serve hard enough, if you sing loud enough, if you're talented enough. If you aren't intentional, if you are not intentional about the lifestyle where you want to end up, you will never ever arrive at that place that God has for you. It is impossible for you to get there. So we've heard this phrase before. What are your intentions in this? What do you want to get out of this? You know, we've heard those phrases before. Someone, maybe you've used that phrase or asked that question or someone's asked you, what are your intentions in this? What do you want to get out of this? You know, that's a, that's a marketplace term is what do you want to get out of this? What are you looking to get out of this? What are your intentions with this deal? And I ask us the same thing. What are our intentions in life? What do we want to get out of life? What do I want to get out of this thing called life that God has created for me? What do I really, really want to get out of my life? Because here's the thing. We always do something to get something out of it. Everything that we do, we do something to get something out of it. You go to work every day so that you can get what? A paycheck. You work hard so you can get what? A promotion. You get married so that you can be fulfilled and have favor and then you can have a family. You are getting things out of something that you put into it. And when you make these decisions and these intentions, you are doing something because you are getting something out of it in return. So my question is to you. My question is to me. What do we want to get out of life? What do I want out of my life? What do I want out of my family? If you have kids and if you're married, what do you want? Not what do you want for them to take selfishly, but what do you want your family to look like? You know, it's something that I believe that most of us, we don't stop long enough to really ask that hard question and say, what do I really want out of this? 
What do I really want my life to look like? What do I want my family to look like? What do I want my kids to look like? What do I want, what do I want out of my finances? What do I want my money to do for me? What do I want out of my money? What do I want out of my faith? What do I want out of that? What, what, what am I trying to get out of that? You see, because especially when it comes to faith, when I read the Bible, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I read amazing stories and stories about amazing characters, something happens to me when I read the Bible. Two things happen. Number one, I become convicted of certain areas in my life that I need to fix. And that's, that, that's a great thing. That's the Holy Spirit convicting me. That's not out of judgment. That's not out of judgment. And so, in some ways it is from God, and that's a good thing. But that's not out of guilt, but that is a holy conviction. That is so that I'll be consecrated, I'll be set apart, and so that I'll be sanctified. So I read the Word, and I get that, that I'm moved by that in that area. But there's also something else that when I read the Word, I am inspired by it. I am inspired by it. Because when I read about people healing the sick, when I read about people getting born again 5,000 at a time, when I read about the dead being raised, when I read about manifestations of the Spirit, when I read about great wisdom in the Bible that blows my mind, when I read about the right thing to do at the right moment, I'm suddenly inspired because I'm going, I'm not living this. Why am I not living this? Not in the sense that I'm not trying, but in the sense of why... Do I not pray for people yet and they're healed? Why do I not have great wisdom like Solomon did? Why did I not have this kind of wisdom before? Why did I just now learn this? Why? And, and so I'm inspired and I'm moved and I'm going, why am I not walking in the fullness of the Word? So that's what I say when I say, what am I trying to get out of my faith? What, I wanna, what, what do I want out of this? Because... You have to understand me and my nature. I'm a very passionate guy. And whatever I usually dive into, I dive wholeheartedly into it. If it, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's my job, if it's my career, if it's my business, if it's Christianity, if it's looking like Jesus. I mean, if it's, if it's, I am very passionate. And so whenever I get into something, I dive wholeheartedly and invest all my time, energy, effort, money, heartache, whatever it is. I invest everything I have into that, even if it's not a good thing for me. And so the Lord has to harness that in my life because I'm so passionate about it. But I'm constantly asking myself in these areas, faith, family, finances, relationships, what am I looking to get out of this? Where do I want to be in my life? John Maxwell says this. This is one of his quotes. I don't know if it's from his book or not, but I read this uh, on Twitter the other day. He said, I believe that no matter what plot each of our stories may follow, Deep down, we all want one thing for our lives to matter. That we all want one thing for our lives to matter. And that if you don't want that for your life to matter, then you need to start praying for some Holy Spirit direction in your life. Because each one of us should have a burden and a prayer and a desire for your life to count and for your life to matter. That's what we want in life is that we want to come to the close of our life and we want to be able to say one thing about our life is that our life mattered for the kingdom. You see, because there's two types of people, and I say this all the time, and, and this is something that I'm very passionate about in teaching people when it comes to career uh, choices or relationships or whatever it is that's going on in their life or just daily decisions. There are two types of people in this life. There are people 
that let life lead them. And then there are people who lead their life. And let me explain what I mean by that. There are people who let life lead them. That means they are controlled by circumstances or they are controlled by daily routines or they're controlled by the humdrum in their life. They're controlled by the chaotic of their life. They're controlled by the craziness, the busyness, or they're controlled by different aspects. I don't know what it is with you. I know what it is with me. But they're controlled by something and life begins to lead them. And all of a sudden, they end up at a point in their life when when they look back on their life, they go, how did I get here? This is not where I envisioned myself. I envisioned myself to be healthier. I envisioned myself to be more spiritual. I envisioned myself to be financially better off. I envisioned myself to know a lot more of the Bible and to be a stronger Christian than I am and not be shaken by these small things. I envisioned myself to be at this point in my job. I envisioned myself to be at this point in my career with their business. But somehow life led you or it led me and we didn't end up exactly where we wanted to be or where God wanted us to be. And we thought, how did we get here? You see, because life can begin to lead you. And then there are people that lead their life. There are people that make daily decisions that are very good at making daily decisions that lead their life. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situations, no matter the chaoticness, no matter the craziness, the busyness, they have been determined to be disciplined, to be disciplined in daily disciplines, to go after something, to chase after something. They have been devoted to that and they have led their life. You know what the common thread of most uh, successful uh, uh, entrepreneurs or most, uh, excuse me, the common thread of the Fortune 500 CEOs across the board, across the world, you know what the most common thread is? They all woke up early. Nobody would have thought that. But it, the most common thread was they all woke up early. You know what I bet early is? 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I bet it doesn't mean 7. Now, I'm not saying that you need to wake up before 5 a.m. I'm just saying that's what they did. But those are people who said, you know what? I'm going to lead my life. Life's not going to lead me. And every day, my day, it starts off at 5 a.m. And they were devoted to achieving something and they made a decision to lead their life based on that one decision. And I'm sure many, many others. But that was the most common thread. But those are examples. And I'm not saying we're all going to be Fortune 500 CEOs. And that's a great thing. Every man has his own calling. But what I'm saying is that there are people that choose to lead their life. And they end up in the place that God wants them to be and that they wanted to be in life. I'm not saying circumstances aren't going to come. I'm not saying things are going to happen. But we know the difference in when life is leading us and we're choosing to lead our own lives. Uh, last night, give you an example of uh, thinking about this. Uh, not ending up where we want to be. It's as silly as this. Because people think that God loves me and that God is supernatural and that God cares for me, and He does. There's not a question about God's love. But there is a principle at play here. There's many principles at play here that we have to live out. And it's as simple as, and it's as silly as this and thinking I can end up somewhere, but I ignore all of the disciplines and I ignore all of intentional living and I'm not intentional about how I live my life, but yet I think I'm going to end up here. 
it's silly to think that last night I was playing tennis and I used to, I picked up tennis about three years ago. Never played it before, started playing tennis about three years ago. And for a while there, we were playing all the time. We were playing two or three times a week. And I was starting to get pretty good. Me and my buddy were, were starting to get some good rallies going and we were, we were getting a lot better and then we were playing two or three times a week. Well, I got busy and so did he and so did some other guys. I got very busy and I wasn't able to play at all. So I didn't play for about five or six months. Well, the thing you know about tennis is it's, it's a timing sport. It's all about timing. It's about catching the ball at the right time, at the right angle, and putting enough top spin. I don't have to go into detail, but it's a very rhythm game. It's a very timing. Just just keeping a rally going with someone is is all about timing and catching the ball at the right moment. And uh, and when the first thing to go when you don't play tennis consistently is your timing. You catch balls too late. When you catch balls too late, you hit them too flat. They go way out. You catch balls too early. They go right into the net. They go down. So it's all about timing. It's about that rhythm. And, and, and the first thing to go is your timing in tennis. You, you look, I mean, you look like a complete moron when you get out there after not being out there because you're, you can even miss the ball and you thought, well, oh, I thought that would never happen again. But you do because your timing is, is just way off. You're out of rhythm. Well, I was playing last night. My timing, of course, I mean, the balls were just going everywhere. It looked like one of those bazooka launchers just launching, you know, things into the crowd and stuff like balls were just everywhere. My timing was just off, but I was getting so frustrated at myself and I was getting so mad and I was just like, man, I am just terrible. This is awful. And I was getting so mad at myself because I, I, I was getting good, but now I'm so bad. And I'm, and, and I'm going, man, my timing's off. I can't believe this. And I'm playing so bad and I was getting so frustrated. And then I just thought about it and I go, but I have not played in six months. Why in the world would I think that I would have gotten any better by taking six months off? What athlete takes six months off and gets better? None. None. Unless they're not human. Unless they're a freak. Okay, so I'm getting frustrated. I'm thinking this is ridiculous for me to get frustrated at myself to think that I would have gotten better by taking six months off. But it's the same way in life and to where people look at their lives and they look back in their lives and they go, wait a second, where did I miss it? How did I end up here? I don't understand. I thought God loves me. He does. I thought God cares for me. He does. But you didn't live an intentional lifestyle. And your life took you exactly where the decisions you made took you. And life is linear. Life is connected. And the choices that you make every day, they shape your life. So whenever you start to make decisions that are not intentional and they don't don't produce a God future or a good future for your life, then all of a sudden you end up at this place where you go, how did I get here? I thought God loved me. I thought God cared for me. It's the same way as me getting frustrated after not playing for six months. It makes no sense. And God is saying, it's not that I don't love you because I gave you the principles and I gave you the word in advance. But you chose to live a unintentional lifestyle and go with the flow and it produced harmful things in your life. You chose not to raise the bar on what you should be intentional about. And it brought you to a place where you're not very happy and it's not God's best for your life. And God doesn't supernaturally because he loves us. Oh, I feel so bad for you. Let me give you my best for your life, even though you were unintentional with your lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. He loved us so much. He gave us the principles in advance. He warned us of these things and he taught us about these things. And people in the Bible taught us about these things 
in advance. You see, because you have to understand this, and, and I'm going somewhere, we're about to get in our key scripture that I'm building up to, is the will of God for your life is absolutely in your hands. You have to understand that. The will of God for your life and can be connected to others is absolutely in your hands. I know that now because I know the beginning of time. To understand now the present and to understand the future, you have to understand the beginning. And in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them to be perfect. They had all of the knowledge of the nature of God. They were perfect and they were, they were, they were naked, but yet it wasn't called naked because there was no such thing as lust. There was no such thing as inappropriate. They were absolutely perfect and they didn't even understand the term naked. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no guilt. There was no shame. It was absolutely perfect. It said that they hung out with God in the garden did they spend time with him that he they came from his image they came from god and they were absolutely perfect but then when satan came along and he tempted eve and he tempted and and adam got distracted and he tempted eve and he said why can't you eat of this tree god doesn't want you to eat of this tree because you'll know what god knows and you'll be like god when god said don't eat of that tree we all know the story well, she chose to eat of the tree and she was tempted and she was deceived and Adam was there the whole time and he watched it and he decided to partake with his wife. And then all of a sudden they realized that they were naked and they were imperfect and sin came into the world. But you see, you have to understand something. The will of God is in your hands. I know that because it was in Adam's and Eve's hands. Because he created them free moral agents. He gave them free choice and free will. Why? Because God didn't want to create zombies and He didn't want to create robots that had to love Him. He created people so that they would choose to love Him. So they would choose to exalt Him. So they would choose to worship Him. We were created to worship Him, but He didn't want to create and manipulate. What He did was He's such a great God, He created people that would choose to love Him back and spend time with Him back. So He gave them free will. So the will of God is in their hands. And because of their choice, it affected their lives. It brought imperfection. It brought sin into the world. And not only that, but it affected all of our lives here. Because what do we have to do? We have to go home and go to bed. And Josh has got to wake up at like 3.30 in the morning because that's how early he wakes up. I wish I could wake up that early. <laughs> but we all have to get up in the morning and we have to do what? We have to go to work. Because that was the curse of man and his imperfection in choosing to sin. Women give birth and have pains because of the curse, because of their imperfection, and because of the sin that was brought into the world. But my point is this. The beginning was the will of God is absolutely in my hands. God has a great plan for each and every single person here. But it's my responsibility to align myself with that plan. It is my responsibility to be intentional about the lifestyle that I live to align myself with the plan and with His kingdom. God will not, never ever violate my free will to make a point. He will not violate, He could, but He will not violate my free will 
to make me choose to respond to his plan or choose to love him because he did not create us that way. So here's my next point. It's your life and you can have whatever life it is that you want. It's your life and you can have whatever life it is. If you want a life of blessing and a life of peace, become intentional about living that kind of life. If you want to live a life of hell, all you have to do is live a life of hell and you'll have a life of hell. But it's your life. And you get to choose. Because ultimately, the will of God is in your hands. Ephesians chapter 5 is our key scripture. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is where it gets really interesting that I dove in today. And, and man, a light bulb just went off and it was super, super cool. And uh, because the Holy Spirit is, is absolutely amazing. And so let's look at, and this is a very familiar scripture in scriptures. And let's see here. I'm going to read the NIV. Okay, let me read the New King James Version first. Verse 15, Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says this. Paul's the writer of Ephesians. He's writing to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus there. And this is what he says. See then that you were, or excuse me, see then that you walk circumspectly. That's a, that's a biblical word or a fancy word for carefully. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Wise means eyes wide open. Okay. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. He says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise or with your eyes wide open, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, NIV says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise with your eyes closed, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Amplified says this, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. That's interesting that he said, that he said buying up the time. And this is a, this is a, I love, this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite couple of scriptures, favorite passage. I mean, it's very familiar to us, and, and it's, just, it's just a great... But he says this, and this is where it gets really interesting about intentional living. He uses this phrase, redeeming the time. Okay, we've maybe heard that in church world, and in, in churches, podcasts, we've heard the word redeem. Redeemed is actually only mentioned a few times in the Bible, and one of these times, it's in here when Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he says redeeming the time. The Greek word for redeem is... Exagoraza. Did I say, do you know how to say that? Did I say that right? Yeah, it, it looks close enough to me. I am not a theologian, but, uh, exagorazo. Ex means from or out of. Agorazo meaning to purchase. Okay, so he's saying redeem, redeeming the time. So he's saying the Greek word means that you are purchasing it from or you're purchasing it out of. Okay? So you're buying the time, redeeming the time you're purchasing out of, or you're redeeming it from something. And then he uses the word time, 
It's almost like when he's saying there is like purchasing it out of slavery. As if you were to purchase a slave, you would purchase or buy them out of slavery and they would become free. And then he uses the word time here. And the Greek word for time, as we know, is kairos. Okay, there's two different words for time in the Greek. There's chronos and there's kairos. Kronos is time is in minutes and seconds, and kairos is what he's talking about here. He's not talking about the time as in minutes and seconds right here. What he's talking about here is seasons, windows of opportunity, important moments, spiritual moments. It's not necessarily about time and seconds in this passage, but it's about windows of opportunity. It's about seasons. It's about important moments. And so Paul is saying, listen, you need to be careful how you live, meaning be intentional about the decisions you make, so that you can redeem the time, so that you can purchase out of slavery time, moments. Because something is after those moments. Something is after those windows of opportunity. Why did he say that? Because in the next phrase, he says, because the days are evil. So he says, be careful how you live. Keep your eyes wide open. Be intentional about your lifestyle. Be intentional about the choices you make. And he's saying, so that you can redeem the time, you can purchase it out of slavery, because the days are evil. So it's almost like this. It's like a game of tug of war. I'm sure everybody in here has played tug of war before. Tug of war is one person stands on this side or multiple people stand on this side and multiple people stand on the other side and then they have a flag in the, in the middle or something that, that, that marks something and they, this side tries to drag it past this line and this side tries to drag that flag or whatever's in the middle representing the middle tries to drag it to their point closest to them. And it's, it's tug of war. I'm sure everybody knows how that works. It's almost as if in the middle of that tug of war, in that hostile territory, is that word opportunity. Is that word seasons. Is that word moments. And he's saying that good is on this side and the days of evil are on the other side. And it is a constant tug of war back and forth trying to pull at your opportunities and trying to pull at your moments and trying to pull at your harvest time and trying to pull at your kairos time. Because the days of evil and the clutches of darkness are trying to steal those moments away from you. So he's saying you need to be very careful with how you live your life. Because the clutches of darkness and the enemy is trying to tug and pull all of those opportunities and those moments and that harvest time away from you. Because that Kairos moment that he's talking about right there, that's with an exclamation point. That means harvest time. That's not time in minutes and seconds. He's saying Kairos means redeem the time with an exclamation point as in get busy because the harvest is plentiful. He's saying when, when the harvest is ready, do you sit back and do you relax and get lazy and get unintentional? No. He's saying when the harvest is ripe and ready to be picked and ready to be got, you go out there and you get a strategy and you become intentional about how to collect all the harvest. Because if you don't collect the harvest, then you starve when it's time to plant. That's how reaping and sowing works. 
So he's saying it's with an exclamation point that I say this and your opportunities and your moments and your God-given seasons and your God-given moments, they're right there in the middle of that tug of war and the days of evil and society and culture are pulling at your moments and your opportunities because the days are evil. Because Paul wrote this because when he was living, he was staring at the same thing that we were staring at. Idolatry, sin, fornication, homosexuality, divorce, uh you know, uh, other gods, uh, envy, wrath, I mean, adultery. He was staring at all of the sins that we stare at today. And he was saying, you know what? God is good, but I can see around me that the days are evil. And he's saying, and that I have to buy back. I have to be intentional and I have to be careful with how I live my life because I need to purchase those moments away from the evil days that I'm living in. That's what he's saying. He's saying become so intentional with your time. Do you do you see? And I, and I just hope that it, it's a light bulb that goes off in your head and in your heart like it did to me today. How important it is to be intentional with the things that you give your attention to. Do you see the gravity of what Paul is writing here when he says it's so important for you to be intentional with your life because there are moments and seasons and opportunities you're going to completely miss out on because the clutches of darkness are going to steal them away from you because you are unintentional and because something stole them from you. Intentionality. It's absolutely, absolutely huge. I wrote down these thoughts, and I'm just going to read them. It says, because of the days of evil, the opportunities we have to do good and to bring glory to God are already on autopilot, on a course to be swallowed up by busyness and our worldly mindsets. Because of the days of evil, we just go, if we just go with the flow, culture, we will lead wasted lives. Because the days of evil, our sin nature is the default owner and the decision maker concerning these precious windows of time we have to make a difference on this earth. Our sin nature, its default owner, it wants to be the decision maker of how my life is ran and concerning these precious windows of time and that I have to make a difference on this earth. Do you see how intentionality is so important in what I set out to do every single day? Intentional in my relationships. Number one, intentional in my relationship with God. That every morning that I need to wake up in and that I need to be intentional about my relationship with God. That Him and His kingdom are priority in my life. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Not wake up and pray about the worries of today and what's going on and this or that, but seek the kingdom first. If God's not talking to you, you need to learn how to talk to Him about what He wants to talk about. Because you know what He wants to talk about? His kingdom first. That's intentionality. Intentionality is not, oh, I'm so concerned about what's going on in my life. Understand this. I'm not trying to degrade your situation. God cares and He's concerned about what concerns you. But understand, He's more concerned about His kingdom first. That's intentionality. Waking up and seeking His kingdom first. If He's not talking to you, start talking to Him about something that He wants to talk about. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing. You'll get His attention. That's intentionality. It's, it's God, my family, 
my priorities, keeping the main thing the main thing, going home and being intentional. You know, the last couple of months, I'm almost done. The last couple of months, I have not had cable. And uh, I haven't had a... I've had a TV, but it hadn't been on. I haven't had cable. And uh, I was paying like $150 a month for cable. That's ridiculous. Because I had all these movie channels. And, uh, and I never watched it because I was busy all the time. And I had like 100 movie channels. And they would play the same thing over and over again. But when I called them, I said, hey, I, my, my cable bill is 150 bucks. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. I don't even watch these movie channels. I've seen Oblivion like 600 times. Uh, I don't need the movie channels anymore. So let's cancel that. And I said, oh, yeah, by the way, I don't really watch my TV anymore because I'm busy all the time. So cancel all my cable. And I, I don't want cable anymore. So I haven't had cable. I get like TV in, which I still don't watch. The Weather Channel and like local news just picking up from my satellite. So I haven't had cable in like two months. Understand something. I'm not trying to condemn or say anything. That's my own medicine. I don't even know what my life is going to look like a year from now. I'm telling you right now this season, no cable and I'm loving it. No TV. It's caused me to be intentional with my time. When I go home, there's nothing there to distract me. So I go into my office and I have a small room that I've created to be an office and it's got a world map so I can just look at the world and want to travel and want to just preach the gospel all over the world. And and it's got my computer. And I, it's my favorite room in the house. It's also my prayer room. I love my office. And so I go in there, I eat, I come home, I work out, I, I eat. And then I go into my office and do work or study or read or pray. And I love it. It's just been my life for the last two or three months. And, and it's caused me to become intentional with my lifestyle. And it's been great. And I started to look up, and again, this is not to be condemning. This is, I'm not against TV. I'm not preaching against TV. I want to give you an example of unintentional lifestyles. So I looked up for fun some t TV statistics today on how much time we spend watching TV. Prepare to have your mind blown. Okay, because it is literally... If you don't go home and cancel your cable tonight, I'll be extremely offended after these statistics because it is pretty powerful stuff. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Do whatever the Lord's leading you to do. Okay. Percentages of households that possess at least one television. 99%. Boom. 99%. Everybody's got a TV. Number of TV sets in the average U.S. household, 2.24. Okay. Percentage of U.S. homes with three or more TV sets. 66% have three or more TVs. Number of hours per day that TV is on in an average U.S. home, six hours and 47 minutes, okay? Percentage of Americans that regularly watch TV while eating dinner, 66% watch TV while they're eating dinner. That's so sad. That's so unintentional. My family, every day I grew up, we ate dinner at 5.30, we talked as a family. Where is that today? Number of hours of TV watched annually by Americans, 250 billion hours. 250 billion hours of TV watched. Value of that time, assuming an average wage of $5 an hour, $1.25 trillion. That shows you how many hours we spend watching TV. According to the A.C. Nielsen Company, the average American watches more than four hours of TV each day. 
for 28 hours a week or two months nonstop. So if you put all that time together in a year, it would be two months, 24 hours a day nonstop of watching TV. Get this, in a 65-year life, that person will have spent nine years watching television. Wow. I knew it was a lot, but I had no idea. Nine years, can you imagine living to be uh, uh, living to be 71 and they say, oh, by the way, you were supposed to live to 80, but we're subtracting nine years because of the TV life, so you're dying at 71. How would you feel? So robbed, right? It's very eye-opening. Number of minutes per week that parents spend in meaning, meaningful conversations with their children. Number of minutes per week, 3.5. Hours per year, the average American youth spends in school, 900 hours. Hours per year, the average American youth watches television, 1,500. Almost twice the amount that they spend in school. Quick on social media, and then we're going to, a couple thoughts, and we're going to close. Just This is not conviction, this is just awareness. It's all I'm doing about intentional lifestyle, because, hey, this is convicting to me as it, as, as it is to anybody else, because I'm just as guilty. Social networking accounts accounts for 28% of all media time spent online. So all the time that we spend online, 28% of that is spent on social media. Users between the ages of, of ages of 15 and 19 spend at least three hours a day average on social media. While users between the ages of 20 to 29 spend about two hours on their social media accounts. Okay, I don't know what it is older than 29. They didn't, so it's two hours between 20 and 29 and Younger than that is three hours. 7.4 is the average number of social communication apps that smartphone users have on their phone. 7.4 apps that we have for social media. Just a lot there. Uh, just a couple more things. Let's see. Between, this is funny, before this one, or after this one. The average visitor, the average visitor spends 15 minutes a day on YouTube. Between 60 and 80% of people, time of people, time on internet of work has nothing to do with work. And we wonder why we're not getting promotions or raises because probably because we're spending 60 to 80% of our time online that doesn't even have anything to do with work. And I know that's not us because you guys are godly and that number's like 52. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Of iPhone users, 28% check their Twitter feed before getting up in the morning. That's so sad. It's estimated that the average American spends nearly one quarter of their workday browsing social media for non-work related activities. Anyway, just some thoughts. Just some things. And, and like I said, that's my prescription and that's something that, that, that I'm changing in my life because I want to be intentional with my life. Because I want to live a great life, not for me, but for God's kingdom. And I want to be impacting and I want my life to count because I've only got one life. And I've got to make it count. A couple more thoughts before we go. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. That is so deep, but yet so simple. If nothing changes in your life, if you don't change anything, then nothing will change in your life. Life will not work out doesn't matter how much God loves you, how much He cares for you. It is the sowing and reaping principle. If nothing changes in your life, 
then nothing will change for the good. Proverbs 3.1, last verse. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to turn to it real quick. By the way, if you really want to read a good Proverbs, Proverbs 3 is just full. It's been going over and over. Proverbs 3 one says, My son, do not forget my law or Scripture, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. That's, that's intentional. It's intentionality. He says, don't forget my law and let your heart keep my commands. And the promise on the other side of that is you'll have length of days. You'll have a productive life. You'll have a long life. And here's the even better part. You'll have a peaceful life. If you're intentional about your life. And here's the thing. Right now, every single one of us is writing our story. We are writing our story that other people will rehearse one day about us when they talk about us. When they talk about us at our funeral, when they talk about us to other people and what we're doing right now with everyday, day-to-day, intentional living. We're writing our story. With every decision that we make, whether it be small or big, so let me ask you, what are your intentions? What, what do you want out of this? What do you want out of your faith? What do you want out of your marriage? What do you want your marriage to look like? What do you want your faith to look like? Because when I read the Bible, I'm not satisfied. I'm hungry for lots, lots more. But the only way to fulfill that is to be intentional be intentional about going after that. What do you want your finances to look like? If you're unhappy with your finances and you're unsatisfied, then change it. Do something about it. Become intentional and become super aggressive about changing your lifestyle. If you're unhappy in your lifestyle, if you don't have any joy in your life, if there's no joy in your home, if there's no peace in your home, Don't keep doing the same thing. If nothing changes, then nothing changes. Become intentional about changing your life. Because just like I said before, the clutches of darkness and the enemy is right there pulling tug of war and playing tug of war, trying to steal those moments and steal those windows of opportunity. And just like Adam and Eve's choice, because the will of God was in their hands, it affected their lives, it affected ours also. And the choices that you make and that you don't make will affect your life. And not only that, but they will affect the lives around you. One thing I didn't say before we go and pray is this that I wrote down is I believe that no matter, or excuse me, no, many of us believe that while we make poor decisions or no decisions at all, we will somehow magically or supernaturally arrive at God's best for our life. And it just doesn't happen. And so we have to become so intentional. When I wake up in the morning, I want to become intentional about my day. To, today, Lord, to whatever you want to do today, Lord, whatever you want to do today with my business, whatever accounts you want to add to me is great. Whatever accounts you want to take away with, I'm okay with. Today, Lord, is all about you and building your kingdom.
Today, I want to get to know you more. Today, Lord, I want to put my wife first. Lord, today, I want to put my husband first. Today, I want to put my kids first. I want to be intentional about the time that I spend with my family at home. Today, I'm not going to watch any TV just for one day, and I'm going to pick up a book, or I'm going to read, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to become intentional with my life because I'm trying to get to a certain point in my life. And I want to arrive at God's best for my life. And so, Lord, help me to become intentional with every decision and raise the bar on intentionality. And here's the great thing about God. If you're not satisfied with your life, you have the power to change it. You have the absolute power and the authority to change it. Because the will of God and His best is in your hands. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I know that these things, they're a lot... Lord, they're a lot easier to say than they are to actually do. And, and Lord, these things, they, they, they sound really great. And these thoughts, they sound really great. They move us almost to like this emotional point in our lives where we just go, yes, I, I want to become intentional with my life. And I'm going to start reading more books and reading the Bible more. And, and God, I'm going to start spending more time with you. And Lord, and then something starts tugging at us and starts distracting us. And something starts happening Lord, and then all of a sudden we become intentional to unintentional and life starts leading us. So, Father, I pray that you would give us the power, Lord, that you've given us the authority, and now that you would give us the courage to live out what we just heard. Lord, that we would, we would just heed Paul's warning when he says, be very careful how we live. Be very careful how I live so that we can redeem the time because the days are evil. Lord, we know that there's a tug of war going for our on for our opportunities and for our moments and for our, our harvest time and, and, and the favor that you have for us. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, we would, ne- we would not let society or culture win in that tug of war, but, Lord, that we would continue to put our hand to the plow, get tough, get aggressive, and become intentional people about building your kingdom and arriving at the place that you want us to be at God's best for our life. Lord, we thank you for giving us courage tonight. We thank you for revealing the areas, Lord, that where we've struggled, we've missed the mark. Lord, I've missed the mark in so many areas. It's unbelievable, but your grace is sufficient. Your grace, Lord, is not condemning, Lord, but you are encouraging me to raise the bar when it comes to intentionality in my life. So, Father, I just pray that you would help each and every one of us, and this would burn in our hearts. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.